House votes on a contraception bill, a new electoral college reform bill is coming before Congress, and military chaplains continue their fight for freedom from medical coercion. And more on today's Cross-Politic Daily News Brief. My name is Toby Sumter. Yes, it has been a little while. Today is Friday, July 22nd, 2022, and muchas gracias to Garrison for covering so many of my news briefs for so long. Happy summer to all of you folks, our upcoming Fight Laugh Feast conference is just four months away from happening in Knoxville, Tennessee, October 6th through the 8th. Don't miss Beer and Psalms, our amazing lineup of speakers, which includes George Gilder, Jared Longshore, Pastor Doug Wilson, Dr. Ben Merkel, and myself, and more. We can't quite say everything yet, but, you know, Chocolate Knox is going to be doing a really, really cool conversation panel with some of our favorite people. You don't want to miss it. You also don't want to miss our awesome vendors, meeting new friends and stuff for the kids like Jumpy Castles. Also, did you know you can save money by signing up for a club membership? You get $100 off your registration if you are a Fight, Laugh, Feast club member. So go to FightLaughFeast.com, sign up for a club membership today, and then register for the conference with that club discount. Remember, with that club membership you also get access to backstage every day we do stuff backstage conversations with our guests conversations with one another it's the best we can't wait to fellowship sing psalms and celebrate god's goodness with you in knoxville october 6th through the 8th senator blumenthal blumenthal thinks it's very important for congress to pass a bill guaranteeing access to drugs that will prevent pregnancy but we are living in the post-Roe world where reproductive rights are under assault as never before and critical reproductive health care services are more necessary and also are more at risk than ever before. That is why a consistent, strong source of funding for Title X family planning programs are absolutely critical and urgent. Meanwhile, nations in Europe are already trying to incentivize couples to have more children because there is already a sandemic that is growing population gaps that's not replacing current population levels, leaving nations without workers. Turns out you need people to work and to provide, to have a thriving economy and have a thriving nation. Well, House voted Thursday to pass the bill that would guarantee access to contraception by protecting the right to buy and use contraceptives without government restriction, or at least saith CNN. The final vote was 228 to 195. Eight Republicans crossed over to vote with Democrats. Representatives Liz Cheney of Wyoming, Nancy Mace of South Carolina, Fred Upton of Michigan, Anthony Gonzalez of Ohio, John Katko of New York, Brian Fitzpatrick of Pennsylvania, Maria Salazar of Florida, and Adam Kinzinger of Illinois joined all the Democrats in voting for the bill. Two Republicans, Bob Gibbs of Ohio, Mike Kelly of Pennsylvania, voted present, meaning they took no position either way on the bill. The vote falls among action House Democrats are trying to take following the Supreme Court's decision that overturned Roe versus Wade. Yes, that declared it uh, completely unconstitutional, madness, 
insanity. In that decision, Justice Clarence Thomas wrote separately in a concurring opinion that the high court should reconsider, quote, substantive due process precedents in decisions, including Griswold versus Connecticut, that allows access to contraception. The Right to Contraception Act, introduced by Democratic Representative Kathy Manning of North Carolina, aims to, quote, protect a person's ability to access contraceptives and to engage in contraception and to protect a health care provider's ability to provide contraceptives, contraception, and information related to contraception, according to the text of the bill. We should also note that in the text of the bill, I checked, it includes emergency contraceptives in its list of what is included. Historically, emergency contraceptives has also included chemicals intending to prevent or disrupt implantation of a fertilized egg. In other words, emergency contraceptives are usually code for abortifacients, abortifacient drugs, doing abortions by pill a few days after a fertilized an egg has been fertilized. It should also be pointed out that some forms of oral contraception, perhaps most famously the pill, also include this as an intended function. You should read the label carefully. Some of them explicitly say that they, in addition to suppressing ovulation, are in fact intended to thin the uterine lining in order to prevent implantation, which would be a form of abortion. Why would we trust Margaret Sanger anyway, the founder of Planned Parenthood, or her descendants to give us good medicine or help us understand what these drugs, these chemicals are doing to our bodies. The mindless embrace of birth control by Christians got us into this mess. The White House said it strongly supports the bill in a statement last Monday, adding access to contraception is essential to ensuring all people have control over personal decisions about their own health, lives, and families. And, of course, making sure we don't have enough people to work productive jobs to provide for their families. Maybe you, like me, have seen some signs up at restaurants and stores saying, uh, help wanted, we don't have enough workers, please be patient with us. Okay, you know, part of this mess is actually coming down from the fact that we've not been having children. This on the heels of earlier this week, the House passed a bill that would enshrine protections for same-sex mirage, homosexual mirage into federal law with 47 Republicans joining the Democrats voting in favor of madness. 47 Republicans joining Democrats voting in favor of madness. It's unclear whether the bill will pass the Senate where at least 10 Republicans are needed to side with Democrats to overcome the filibuster's 60-vote threshold. Let's hope saner heads prevail in the Senate. Not so long ago, the American dream was alive and well. Employees who worked hard were rewarded and employers looked for people who could do the job, not for people who had the right political views. Redballoon.work is a job site designed to get us back to what made American businesses successful. Free speech, hard work, and having fun. If you're a free speech employer who wants to hire employees who focus on their work and not identity politics, then post a job on redballoon.work. If you're an employee who is being censored at work or is being forced to comply with the current zeitgeist, post your resume on redballoon.work and look for a new job. Redballoon.work, the job site where free speech is still alive. Redballoon.work. A new electoral college count reform proposal 
is coming out of committee. The proposal actually takes the form of two bills. This is a story from National Review. The first bill is sponsored by nine Republican senators and seven Democratic senators and is focused on the Electoral Count Act itself. Side note, I think we should always be a little suspicious when a bunch of Democrats and Republicans agree together. But this article says, actually, what's coming before us is not bad. We'll see. This bill clarifies that states must appoint presidential electors in accordance with the laws they each pass before Election Day and does away with the dangerously vague concept of a, quote, failed election in the original ECA. It requires that the governor of each state or else another particular official specifically assigned this role by state law be the person to certify the state's slate of electors to avoid the possibility of different officials sending different slates to Congress. It clarifies that the vice president's role in counting electoral votes in Congress is purely ministerial and does not involve any sole decision-making authority. It raises the threshold for raising objections to a state's electoral votes in Congress from one member of each house to one-fifth of the members of each house and narrows and clarifies the grounds for filing objections. And it allows for expedited federal judicial review of any challenges raised by a presidential candidate under already existing federal law to a state's certification of its elections, but does not create any new right of action in federal court regarding state officials' enforcement of state laws. Some Democrats want to go further and give the federal courts more jurisdiction over the ways in which state officials enforce state election laws. This is a disastrously misguided idea, and it's very good that this proposal avoids any such path saith the author of the National Review piece. This is a significant success for a number of Republicans who fought hard against that approach, particularly Ben Sass and Mitt Romney, and is the reason why the author thinks this bill could get enough Republican votes to actually pass the Senate. The restraint shown in the proposal suggests this bipartisan group really wants to get these reforms enacted. The second bill, sponsored by some of the same senators as the first, with the exception of Republican Senators Capito, Young, Sass, and Graham, takes up some issues beyond the scope of the Electoral Count Act. It would increase the penalties for threatening election officials, improve the Postal Service's procedures for handling mail-in ballots where those are allowed under state law, reauthorize the Election Assistance Commission, and increase the penalties for tampering with election records. These are modest reforms directed to modest problems, and the result is a bill that doesn't do anything particularly important. If it's necessary to get more Democrats to accept the restrained approach to ECA reform in the first bill, then the author says, I don't see any problem with it. Certainly some of what it proposes is worthwhile. Keep your eye on it. Watch it carefully. Let's see what happens there. Last up for today, chaplains file class action lawsuit against the Department of Defense. 31 military chaplains have filed a class action lawsuit back in May, alleging the unconstitutional denial of religious accommodations related to the vaccine mandate. The chaplains maintain they are protected by the First Amendment and the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, also known as RIFRA, R-F-R-A. Defendants in the case are the Department of Defense, several military branches, the Department of Health and Human Services, the FDA, and the CDC. The lawsuit provides a fulsome review of the blatant concerning charges changes in definitions and procedural rules to achieve politically driven agendas and goals that seemingly ignore service members' most basic constitutional rights. Plaintiffs argue that the vaccine mandate and the military's no accommodation directive are unconstitutional. Military chaplains who fail to comply with the vaccine mandate face threat of disciplinary action 
and punitive discharge, violating their express statutory rights to follow their conscience as formed by their faith. Defendants in the case contend that the venue is not proper. <laughs> yeah, right. Plaintiffs claim are not claims are not ripe or justifiable or justiciable prior to exhaustion of military remedies. Some requests have not yet been adjudicated, in other words. So they're saying this hasn't gone through all the steps uh, in the process of appeal. And the vaccine is the best remedy for the health and readiness of the military forces. Ha, ha, ha. The 2013 National Defense Authorization Act, NDAA, lays out in Section 533 the right of chaplains to conduct themselves according to their conscience or religious faith. Section 533 allows a chaplain to reject performing any duty that violates their conscience without repercussion or penalty. As the footnote on page 5 of the lawsuit explains, the genesis of the 2013 NDAA amendment grew out of social policy changes in 2012 during the Obama administration concerning the repeal of the military ban on homosexual behavior and the Supreme Court's invalidation of the Defense of Marriage Act. We've been talking about this on The Daily Show. Chaplains at the time were concerned, rightly, that they might have to perform wedding ceremonies that would violate their religious beliefs. Those protections were reinforced in both the 2016 and 2018 NDAAs. Retired Army veteran Arthur Schultz testimony filed on July 18, 2022, speaks poignantly to the difficulties of defining and implementing religious freedom policies in the military in recent years. He fought to properly define the role of chaplains in the military in December 2012, working with Congress in anticipation of amendments to the 2013 NDAA to defend chaplains' rights to authentically represent their faith to the military, especially in their speech. He describes the discrimination many in the military have experienced over the years if they dared speak against the prevailing political agenda. The complaint states military chaplains are unique military officers because they are both commissioned officers and clergy. As such, they raise unique statutory and constitutional religious liberty claims in addition to the claims for systemic violations of service members' RIFRA and First Amendment rights that several courts have recently found military defendants likely committed. The lawsuit states congressional authority concerning honoring and protecting military chaplains' conscience and faith has been violated by the mandate. Chaplains are unique in their roles as service members because they are afforded additional First Amendment protections as a result of their clerical roles. It has to do with the potential violations of the First Amendment's Establishment Clause. The Establishment Clause prohibits the government from making any law respecting an establishment of religion. This, of course, brings us back to the point that we're constantly making on cross-politic and related shows is that there is always an ultimate standard. There is always a God. There is always um, a, a religion, actually, uh, in every state. There's always a true religion that's established uh, one way or the other. Uh, we agree that the government shouldn't run the church and the church should not run the government. Nevertheless, the government can never be religion-free. The government can never be neutral. There ha it's, it's Christ or some other God. And, and, and so here we are fighting over it. Be, be praying for these chaplains that are suing for these constitutional rights. The psalm of the day actually isn't a psalm, but it's a great psalm-like hymn. It's St. Patrick's Breastplate, a poem attributed to St. Patrick, and this is just the first couple of verses.
And amen. This is Toby Sumter with CrossPolitik News. Remember, you can always find the links to our news stories in these psalms at CrossPolitik.com. Just click on the daily news brief and follow the links or find them on our app. Just search Fight, Laugh, Feast in your favorite app store and never miss a show. Remember, we're going daily now. We've got the daily news brief and we've got daily CrossPolitik content coming at you every evening, 6 p.m. Pacific time. If this content is helpful for you, if you want to see more of it, would you please consider becoming a Fight, Laugh, Feast Club member? We are building a cancel-proof news and media network that acknowledges Christ as King, Christ at the center of everything. Join today, and remember, you get a $100 discount at the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference in Knoxville, Tennessee, coming up in October, and have a great weekend.